You're listening to the Rockford Register Star's coverage of the ChemTool Industrial Fire Incident in Rockton, Illinois. It's Wednesday, June 16, 2021. Several representatives from emergency responders and the health department briefed reporters on the latest details regarding health concerns for people and the environment in the area. We'll hear from Rockton Fire Chief Kirk Wilson, Winnebago County Public Health Administrator Sandra Martell, and Craig Thomas, the Federal On-Site Coordinator for the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Let's drop in to the news conference in its entirety now. Good afternoon. Uh, My name is Kirk Wilson. I'm the Fire Chief for the Rockton Fire Protection District, currently the Incident Commander for the ChemTool fire incident located at 1165 Prairie Hill Road. Um, I would just like to give you a brief uh, overview of where fire situations are are currently at. And I would like to ask for your cooperation and keep all questions until the end of not only my interview, uh, but there's other speakers that would like to um, address the the media and address our, our community as well. So currently, um, there, there has been really no change from the uh, first uh, interview that we did at 9 a.m. this morning. Um, I gave a brief uh, overview on uh, how fire operations were, were going. Uh, for the most part, things are very positive. So fighting crew that is currently on scene is, uh, is mitigating and, and, and they are doing very well. So you still see some smoke. I know people still have questions about that. However, you're going to see smoke for several days probably because of the large capacity area of this building. We mentioned that it was 230,000 square feet. That's a big, big building, especially with the contents that were inside of of that uh, location. So um, with that said, I think uh, most of us, especially our community, have some uh, concerns in regards to uh, the evacuation uh, situation that we're currently under and also the uh, masking requirements that we're currently under. So I would like to uh, turn the microphone over to Dr. Uh, Martell from the uh, Winnebago County Health Department. Dr. Martell. Good afternoon and thank you, Chief. Um, first of all, I, we said we would give you an update on the air monitoring of the surface, uh, the kind of ground air situation. And uh, over the last 24 hours, uh, we went through another inversion period and the air quality uh, measurements remain stable. So that's the good news, um, meaning that we can now remove the mask mandate within the three mile radius from the area because all of the measured levels for the volatile organic compounds, the carbon monoxide, and the hydrogen sulfide remained below uh, federal standards. So important for us to share that information. So again, when we talk about that air quality at the ground level, it has remained and retained um, as we had hoped for. Um, There was a slight increase in particulate matter over the overnight. So people often will say maybe they smelled something a little bit more, but it did not exceed any of the federal limits. So we understand that there will be changing just like there is in regular ambient air. Uh, People report different smells and scents throughout a day um, and as wind patterns shift and change. But uh, I want to assure you that those monitors will continue to remain in place and we will continue to monitor. What still remains unknown is what is the composition of the particulate matter on the ground. So the debris, the dust, the ash that has fallen. And we are particularly concerned about returning individuals into that 
evacuation zone until we have a more thorough understanding of the composition so we can help prepare homeowners for their return. Can they power wash? What can they use to remove some of the sticky solvent that they've seen? How do they treat their swimming pools? You know, can animals and pets be let outside? What about their children playing outside? How to restart their air conditioners? And those kinds of things. So until we have a better understanding, we are maintaining the evacuation zone of one mile. We understand the distress and the you know trauma and the turmoil that this is causing for so many of our residents and our businesses in the community. But we are doing this as an utmost precaution. We have now moved, as you've heard from the fire chief, really moving from a fire uh, life safety now to an environmental life safety um, in the transition. Remember, this was a chemical plant. Uh, this was not a house fire. So there are not only the chemicals released from the chemical plant during a fire, but also things we've said from the first day that are not intended to burn. So the plastics and the cars and the, and the leathers and things like that. So we want to make sure when we return people that we give them appropriate guidance on how to, how we can help them mitigate any risks that's there, how, what's safe for their families to do and not do. So we appreciate the patience of that particular rule. We will continue to work with them as they um, are really not to return to that, uh, that zone. Um, and I understand that that creates a tremendous amount of hardship, but we are doing everything in our power to first of all do rapid sampling. So I wanna first of all tell how is that done? So it's more of a random sampling, right? We're not going to every building, every house in that area. They will start um, with a very, I'm gonna say strategic sampling plan and statistically significant so that we can get reads from different parts of that area from the perimeters to the insides, to rooftops, to ground level, to doorknobs, to playground equipment. All of that being important for the team to sample. Uh, the Bureau of Land Management has been called in to support and assist in that effort. Uh, we recognize that this needs to be done rapidly. People want to return back to their homes. We want to get them back to their homes as safely um, as possible and with understanding what they can do. And I come back to cautioning individuals. The reason why is, again, when we're in dry conditions and those dust particulates are on the ground and we don't know it, and you run a lawnmower, you fire up your air conditioner and those turbines start wooing and circulating those particulates. You know, whether you water your grass or you start power washing your siding or your car to get the stickiness off, all of those could have an impact. In addition, we'll be continuing to monitor the water situation, right? So as we clean things, water flows down into our um, storm sewer. So it's important that we understand what's the composition in those areas. So again, we ask for patience. We are going to continue to provide support for those individuals that are displaced. Uh, we are sympathetic to our business owners who have also been in that one mile zone that again we have one more day of we're continuing to assess the situation and understand more of what is in that region um, and we appreciate those individuals who are staying out of that zone. Uh, we have heard reports and I remind everyone that those are people's individual homes, their private lives have been disrupted and please to be respectful of that. Uh, the teams will be out sampling um, so that we want to ensure their safety as well as they move through the area. Our intent is to have some preliminary results so we can understand where concentrations are at, what steps can be taken so that the individuals in those areas can protect themselves, their families, and their livelihoods. Um, and so again, come back to the mask, 
air quality was significantly sustained and maintained over the inversion period. So the good news is the masking uh, recommendation for the three mile radius has been dropped, but we are going to take a look at that one mile evacuation zone, which is still in place until further notice, until we get results from the composition of the items that were part of the burn. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to um, uh, the, our gentleman from the EPA to provide an update, a little bit more detail on the air monitoring. Hi, I'm Craig Thomas. I'm a federal on-scene coordinator with the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Um, we continue to do 24-hour air monitoring operations. Um, overnight, uh, we collected data. Uh, I know there were questions earlier about cyanide results. I'm happy to report that all of those values that we detected were below health-based screening values. Um, we did have a couple of uh, particulate exceedances when there were flare-ups, but they were temporary and dropped right back down after uh, the fire was uh, reduced. So everything is looking good um, from the air monitoring results. Uh, thank you. Does anyone have any questions? How many homes do you need to take samples of um, in terms of We don't have that information right now. Basically what they're doing is recognizance uh, throughout the neighborhoods and just doing some uh, sampling in those areas and those will be analyzed. So as far as, as far as how many homes, we don't know. Do you know how many residents are displaced at this point? Not at this point, no. Uh, I'll let the EPA talk on that one. So it's Correct. strictly particulate. So we're looking at particles of uh, from the smoke. Uh, it doesn't have a chemical analysis associated with it. Okay. Okay. Um, I was just wondering because I have some family members who are experiencing respiratory issues, and I want to kind of know um, what's in the air and what these long-term effects are going to be for the people in this town. Yeah. So I think Dr. Martell could probably give you more about the health effects of particulates. When we talk about particulates, I mean, they're little particles. Um, I know that kind of is a redundant definition, but they're small pieces, and that's what goes and can be respiratory irritants. So while the masking uh, you know, recommendation for the three mile, if you are an individual with an underlying respiratory condition, um, if you're an individual who's sensitive to smoke or any other kinds of irritants, we would still recommend that you wear your mask to protect your respiratory system. Um, it, you know, again, when we talk about these things, you know, our bodies have a normal defense mechanism to try and cough it out. Um, so again, we're, you know, if you're an exerciser, maybe avoiding areas that are close within that area, taking a walk a little further away. But the important part is face covering, masking, while not recommended, can still be a tool that people can use to help protect their respiratory systems. Dr. Marcello, um, you mentioned earlier that you're not sure yet what fell on people's homes. And I think some homeowners want to know why you were able to say what was inside the plant and those things that may have been exposed to their homes, but you're not able to say what else has fallen. Uh, so the question is, um, why is it that we know what the chemicals from inside the building, but we're not sure what fell? Well, first of all, the what we call that tier two list 
is what the company provides us with, what they manufacture. That's what we know. But as I come back to in any fire, whether you're looking at California wildfires, if you're looking at a house fire, there are things in homes that burn that are not part of what we would call a tier two assessment, right? So, I mean, any of you saw the aerial footage, saw, you know, trucks and bays, so you know you had burning rubber, you had the, all the component pieces, you have plastics in most of our office settings and buildings. If you were to look around here and say, if there was a fire, all the things that, you know, what would the school say that they had stored here versus what is part of the building composition? And so to understand what is the concentration as well. Is it at a, a level of the particulate matter that's dropped on the ground that we're not concerned about, where it's a normal kind of, it will degrade and, you know, return to nature, or is it something that we should be concerned about? So while the company has provided us with a detailed list. We're talking more about those things that were in the building and around the building that are not intended to burn. And what, how long will it take to like, figure out what that is? There is, the question is how long will it take? We're asking for a rapid response um, to get at least um, some initial sampling and done and hopefully we'll have some results again in the morning. I, I know that that's always a hard rhythm to get into because it's not immediate. These are not what we could say point of care tests, um, and meaning that they have to be analyzed by specialty labs. And we wanna make sure that we have a, a, a safe sense of what that is so we can tell individuals, you know, what is it that you can do? What is it that you can use to clean safely? Um, you know, can your children be outside? Can small animals and pets? You know, those are the things that we need to better understand from that data. Now, you have rain coming into the area, is, is that a concern for rain coming into the area? We have rain coming. So the question's about rain. Well, I'm going to give you a basic science lesson. We always say the solution to pollution is dilution. Um, so rain is a natural um, kind of, uh, you know, cleansing. And so we'll have some information if it rains, but, you know, you can't count on it, right? We've had rain predicted before in the last couple of weeks. But the idea that they will sample before, and our plan is also to sample afterward to see if those concentrations drop and what shows up in our storm sewers as well. Okay, the question about people who have those chunks of debris, we've, we've kind of covered this before and I'm gonna cover it again because again, we want people to first of all, not touch it with their bare hands. They should be using gloves, a shovel or something, put it in a routine garbage bag, but keep it separate from their landfill garbage or their routine household garbage. Uh, they can also call our hotline and I'll have Katie's and Rimmon provide us with that again, so that um, the company has made arrangements through Clean Harbors that does hazardous waste pick up and management so that we can pick that up from homeowners homes so if you're outside that one mile and you're you know cleaning up your yard uh, you should do that we would also say if you're doing anything that stirs up dust if you notice you have a lot of dusting in that area we would again remember the sampling we're going to prioritize first is in that evacuation zone so we can get people back to their homes and businesses right then we're going to start coming out a little bit more but what we need to do is for those individuals is still be cautious right um, not you know again not be touching things, wash your hands thoroughly after you handle any of that kinds of materials. And also if you're a person with respiratory conditions to wear a face covering mask when you're out in your gardens and things like that doing yard work. What were those particulates that were even just momentarily exceeding levels? No, the question was, and the EPA gentleman, uh, Craig, can talk a little bit more about it. It's not, they do not do a composition on the particulate matter. They really look at size of the particulate matter. Okay. Dr. Martel, quick question. So, Old Settlers event is going to come up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. 
what would you recommend for the people that are going to be attending the event? Do you recommend they keep their mask on? So the question is about Old Settlers Day and that event. So it's outside of the zone. And so we, again, the masking recommendation has been lifted, but if you're an individual with underlying respiratory conditions, you should, again, this is a time frame where there is particulate matter. It, there, we're going to see some smoke for a while yet, but uh, the event organizers have been working diligently with the emergency operations center uh, to prepare for the event so that it can be held safely. Regarding the air First of all, there's over, we talked yesterday a little bit about, and I did the exact number, there's over 30. They're coming from both the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, and a contracted agency with the company. So again, the idea being we have these all over. So first of all, we're getting redundant data, right? So we're getting value checking against the devices as well as getting larger sweeps. Um, and there have been devices placed. Um, I cannot speak to the specific location. Um, we have quite a number of dots and they are moved periodically, right? Because we're going around to sample multiple areas, especially as wind patterns shift. And Dr. I'm sorry, what was the question? Water sampling is continuing at this time. Um, and again, we have nothing to report in terms of concerns on the water. But I want to come back to, you know, this is an environmental issue at this point. So we got, we got land, air, water, right? So uh, we are working all of those and we are sampling and we are monitoring all that. I think the question was really related to as we send people back home and they clean and the storm sewers, right? Making sure that we check those runoffs as well just from, you know, private residential. In addition to the water runoff from the actual fire scene itself. So I live like two miles from the site and we live on a farm um, with a lot of crops. And I think a lot of us, you know, in the Rockland community uh, who are kind of farmers are worried about gardens and, you know, if it's safe to consume all the so the question is about uh, consuming from household gardens. And we did post guidance on this. Uh, we are relying and looking at a lot of the information out of the California wildfires and others about how do you safely clean. Again, this becomes really cleaning your produce thoroughly and washing it. Um, obviously, you want to go through your garden and pick up any of that large debris. Again, using gloves, sequestering that garbage. Um, and then making sure that you thoroughly wash any produce coming out from those gardens. What about like the it's the same issue and concern right so they too are looking at to make sure what they've got and there will be additional as we go out through the sampling of the areas and locations uh, may additional gardens obviously they've got larger numbers of crops to ensure um, and as consumers we should always be washing our fruits and vegetables before we consume Dr. Martell, I think this is a question maybe you or she could answer speak to you, you had mentioned and you had said that this is a moment of, of, of transitioning from fire life safety to environmental life safety. And the decisions that are made now not only can have a ripple effect in the short term, but also the long term, five years, ten years, hundreds of years of what decisions are made right now. So I think you impressed upon people why it is important to take these steps, because I think people might be uh, concerned of why, is, why aren't things going fast? Right, and, and I think there might be a disconnect there of trying to explain to people we're trying to take, because everything that you've said from this, and I've been able to 
that up, but I don't think it's been explicitly said. Of, we need to make sure we're doing our due diligence with this to ensure that we don't have long-term effects for 10 years, 50 years, 100 years down. Well, I'm going to start first, and then I'm going to have the chief uh, wrap it up for me. Um, I think, first of all, we are in an area that had former, we were part of Superfund cleanup sites. So we know the impact of the, you know, of so many of these things on the environment and the long-term consequences and how hard it is to battle it out. So we've been working as a team from the start. I mean, there's a whole, you know, group of individuals. I'm asking, can I, I'm going to step up here, but I'm a little more freeform, as you probably know from other press conferences. But um, when you start planning for this, you know, I, I have the township here and wanting to know, can they take their trucks out yet? It's too dry. We can't stimulate a lot of dust right now. You can imagine how hard it is for him to tell his crew and things, yeah, we got to, you know, we got to hang on for a bit. And the reason is we are doing everything we can to protect our environment here, our groundwater sources. So from the chief's perspective, how they fight a fire to protect our environment, for then how do we recover and return? Those are all important considerations. And uh, I've emphasized many times for those of you who are outside of this market, we are dependent on our groundwater. And protecting our groundwater is, um, again, essential for us. Um, we can't just plug into Lake Michigan and hope that that will take care of us. So we have to protect our air, our land, and our water. So yeah, and, and I can just mirror what uh, Dr. Martell just stated, that these waterways are our life. And they're our life for our community. I live in this community, so I want to make sure that the, the, the water that I'm consuming or using is not only good for me, but it's good for my family as well. So um, to answer your question, I think we did speak in regards to the environmental impact uh, that may not only take place now, but five years, ten years down the road. That's why we took so many precautions before we actually started putting more water on this fire to make sure that we had our, our bases covered, that make to make sure that we had absorbent booms that were deployed in various areas of the of the Rock River. We made sure that we had a large area trench that was going to be able to um, take any water runoff so the uh, environmental cleanup uh, uh, procedures could remove that water and dispose of it properly. So we made sure all those steps were covered before we actually started to con uh, continue fire suppression. So really good question that you asked and we don't know what the environmental impact of this particular site's going to be in the next five or ten years we're not sure um, but uh, but time will tell so that's why it's important for us to do our due diligence and to make sure what we're doing is not only safe for us today but for our future as well Craig do you have an answer for that one so the particulate yeah I would say that's that's accurate okay so that was asked the other day, and the the sticky substance that you see are the hydrocarbons that are coming from the smoke. Um, those are normal, and in any type of fire or cons uh, fire uh, product consumption, there are hydrocarbons that will fall, and sometimes you'll see it like on a vehicle or, or something of that nature. So. Um, so we are, again, we're monitoring that, and, and like, uh, like Dr. Martell said, we're sampling everything that, that, that's on the ground right now, and um, we're hoping, you know, we get those product samples and those results back here very soon. So, uh, is that locally, or is that Chicago, or is the testing going on? 
Craig, do you know? So I think that plan is being developed right now by Illinois EPA. I have not yet seen it. Uh, we're also uh, using the civil support team who has an on-site uh, GC mass spectrometer, which is fairly high-grade uh, analytical capability, uh, but we'll also be sending some uh, material off-site for official lab confirmation, but I don't have the details on the plan just yet. Are people still being asked to stay out of that evacuation zone I believe Dr. Martell reiterated that. Yes. Are we correct? Correct. Yes. As far as the gardens go, what about chemicals that we aren't sure of what they are that have seeped into the soil? Like, do we think that would be okay, or will we need to get into soil? That's all going to depend on what the, what the results of the sampling come back. So we'll have that information soon, I hope. And you said that all the hazardous chemicals have been uh, everything that is on site has been contained. Yes, there is no, there's no runoff into any of our waterways like I mentioned before. Uh, the city sewers actually were covered the day of the fire uh, that are actually on premise. They were covered with tarps and sandbagged and also large copious amounts of sand were poured on top of those so any water seepage wouldn't go into the city water system. Yes, and, and like I mentioned before, it's slow going, and it's a it's a, going to be a long process. Um, so we're not sure as a timeline on on when this is actually going to stop. But if they're if they're anywhere near the fire, they're uh, required to wear SCBAs or breathing apparatus. Uh, but for for the most part, those that are are away are uh, pretty much uh, face coverings for right now. And just turn out here. Yes. Uh, no, and we're actually working on that at this point in time, and like I said, I can't speculate on any of the questions that were asked earlier about their sprinkler system or, or anything of that nature. So, If no other questions, thank you very much. Um, we will announce uh, later on this afternoon if we're going to hold another press conference. Uh, or if we have any other developing information, we can go right through our county EOC's notification system that will send uh, a notification to your electronic devices uh, if there's any change in, in our situation. So thank you all very much. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com.